From our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. I'm pop culture critic Peter Hartlaub, pleased to once again introduce movie critic Mick LaSalle for Movies with Mick LaSalle on the Datebook podcast. Hi, Peter. It's good to be with you. Yeah, it's holiday movie season. Do, do you look forward to this time of year? Yeah, I look forward to this time of the year generally, and movies are part of the thing that I look forward to. But to me, it's all it's all of a piece. You know, it's all part of you go into a theater, it's cold outside, even though we're in San Francisco, it's not that cold, and then you, you go in and you see some movie and so it's part of a whole Christmassy uh, holiday feeling. Do you still get surprised this time of year? Do you still get surprised with with things you're seeing in the theater? Yeah, I do. I do get surprised and and sometimes it's <laughs> sometimes it's even a pleasant surprise. Mostly this time of year it is a pleasant surprise. Sometimes things are hyped and then not as good as you ex- as we expect them to be and especially, you know, this year so many so many good things coming up. We'll look forward to hearing that. Holiday Movies, movie editor Leba Hertz joins the conversation. Podcast listeners are going to hear a few surprises, a little about Schindler's List, and why you should take off December 14th to watch movies. Datebook Podcast, thanks for listening. Hi, everybody. And I am here with Liba Hertz. And Liba, we are going to be talking about holiday movies. And so what do we got? What, when, first of all, when does the holiday season technically begin? I think it's sort of actually beginning already, Mick LaSalle. Do you really think so? <laughs> I do. Okay. Um, I think we have some movies already um, that were uh, opening uh, this week. Uh, including, what have you seen this week that's going to be coming in? Well, I mean, we had uh, Buster Scruggs. Right. And so I guess that's sort of a holiday movie. Um, And we have uh, Widows. And then also we have The Front Runner, which I haven't seen yet. I will have seen probably, actually I'm going to see in a couple hours, but doesn't do you any good right now. And I'm also going to see Green Book in like an hour. And And it's possible that some people may be looking... uh, I think they'll be crazy, but they'll be looking at widows for possible nominations for things. I thought it was a, it was a very mm-hmm. mediocre movie. I almost gave it a, a little man sleeping, which for those of mm-hmm. you in other parts of the country is sort of like a like a one star review. Mm-hmm. But, but I thought it was a little mm-hmm. bit better than that. But I thought it, it was just a, a very just a very disappointing movie from Steve McQueen, who. Uh, and, and by Steve McQueen, I don't mean the guy on the motorcycle, but Steve McQueen, the director of Twelve Years a Slave. Yeah, it's sort of a disappointment to hear this after seeing Twelve Years a Slave, and also that this movie stars Viola Davis, who was just you know a magnificent actress. Yeah, and yeah, except in this, she's not she's not terribly good in this. She was you know in Fences, she was amazing. You know, she's great in everything, but this, I think, she seems to have been directed into a really really. Just one note performance. You know, I actually, you know, the only f- movie by Steve McQueen that I've actually liked was 12 Years a Slave. I, I, he tends to be a pretty downbeat guy and very, very uh, joyless uh, in his filmmaking. And of course, it fit when you're dealing with one of the, you know, uh, depicting a 500, 400 year atrocity. But uh, this is a caper movie, basically, like a heist picture. And it's just the most. <laughs> bleak joyless thing but let's talk let's get off of this week yeah. because so that so right. that we can yeah let, let's talk about say, stuff I'm we just have gonna say, what are three movies that 
you're looking forward to this season, and I'll give you my three. I think okay. we actually kind of in agreement, at least on one of them. Well, let's take a look. I I, I, I know I want to see Roma, and, and it's Roma, and, yeah. And that's the uh, what's a Quran movie about a semi uh, autobiographical film that everyone I've talked to just looks at me with this zombie look of this is the greatest thing ever. So wow. maybe it will be the greatest thing ever. They went nuts over it in, in Venice. Mm, I, think it won, I think it won some award in Venice. And, and then, um, it may, have been, may have won yeah, actually and then the, the um, Golden Lion. And then the other one, well, you, you haven't seen Green Book, but I, I really love Green Book. But the other one I am also looking forward to is Vice. Vice. I'm Vice, looking forward to Vice. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Vice. That's, yeah it's yeah. Christian Bale as Richard Dreyfus as Dick Cheney. <laughs> yeah, and he looks like he really does look like Dick Cheney in the uh, in the ads. But also, it looks like it's going to be really fun with Sam Rockwell as, as George W. Bush. <laughs> and it's it's going to be fun. Yeah. It's really it's really it's really f- fun contemplating the Bush administration from the distance of 2018 too. Yeah. Um, well. There's some things that that I'm looking forward to that that I already that I wa- was looking forward to, and then it turned out I saw. So I'm going to talk about two that I saw already, and then talk about some other ones. But um, I saw the favorite, which is which I was looking forward to because I thought it would be a kind of a a really good acting vehicle for uh, I think what was the name Olivia Coleman, I believe is the name, yeah, and but also Rachel Vice and, and uh, Emma, Stone. Emma Stone, and it's about. Um, uh, uh, Olivia Coleman, who's going to play, by the way, Queen Elizabeth on The Crown. She's going to be the next Queen Elizabeth on The Crown. But anyway, uh, Olivia Coleman plays Queen Anne, who's favorite. And in this version, her not only favorite, but somebody she actually has sex with. So they're going with the lesbian Queen Anne thing, which is Ooh. some historians you know, are, believe. Um, but then she takes, she has another favorite, she, and that's Emma Stone. And Emma Stone is even more evil and calculating in this movie than Rachel Weisz and it's it's really good um, it's directed by the guy he has a Greek now Lanthimos Lanth, uh, Yorgos Lanthimos or something. oh yeah he's the guy who did The Killing of a Sacred Deer mm-hmm. and that movie the most interesting thing about that movie was its tone because it was so original and odd and this movie the same thing it, it's the same thing the most magnificent thing about it and most noteworthy thing about it is its tone and its tone is actually different than Killing of a Sacred Deer, but it's just as peculiar. It has a, uh, it 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 just seems to allow for like seriousness and and extreme comedy at the same time. Like so, you'll have like a dance scene where people are actually doing modern dance moves, mm-hmm. but then it'll, that'll go immediately into a very serious scene with serious consequences, so that you really believe in and care about in a kind of a realistic way what's going on with the characters even though the whole thing is just layered in absurdity and so I thought it was extremely clever and that's a, that's so that's a good one okay and another movie I'm looking forward to is it's opening on Christmas it's on the basis of sex it's the movie about Ruth Bader Ginsburg I was reading about this movie um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg met Felicity Jones who plays her in the movie and she met her and she had a nice meeting but then she turned to the producer and said yeah but can she do a New York accent <laughs> and uh <laughs> And uh, those of us who are from New York feel very mm. particular about <laughs> on this subject because it's not like, you know, an obscure accent from like so you should be able to get that right when you're making a movie. And when I saw the the trailer for this movie, it just seemed really they had this. I think it was Adele or somebody imitating Adele. It's hard to tell. A lot of people imitate Adele, but it was on very heavy soundtrack with um, with Felicity Jones sounding like she's 
just in this nondescript kind of American accent. But actually watching the movie, she does get the accent sort of right. Um, but she's really good. The movie is, is a little bit corny, you know, a little bit heavy-handed. But I, I don't know. It really it just achieves something very lovely. And, and it's really interesting because it shows how, for you know, just how her career was held back for years. I mean, not like, you know, she couldn't get a job because she was a woman. She had degrees. She was like first in her class at Harvard and Columbia. Well, would she be at Harvard or at Radcliffe? No, she was at Harvard, at Harvard, Harvard Law School. Oh, okay. She was one of nine women in Harvard Law School. And then after two years, because her husband got a job in New York, mm-hmm. she wanted to go to Columbia. And she wanted, though, to be able to just maintain mm-hmm. a Harvard degree. And they wouldn't let her. So she she went to Columbia and got a Columbia degree, even though she went to, you know, two out of the three years were at Harvard. And, you know, she, she did great there. But she wanted to be with her husband because her husband had been sick. Her husband almost died. But what's very fascinating is with all those degrees, she couldn't get any jobs. And so she had to teach in a law school, which in itself was amazing because in those days they didn't let women teach in law schools either. When she started doing her cases, when she started doing the big cases, like working with the ACLU, even the, the, the liberals that she was working with condescended to her. So it's a really interesting story about her struggle, and I think it was terrific. And then another movie that I think that I am looking forward to, I've given you three that I've seen, mm-hmm. um, is called Vox Lux, and it opens on December 14th. And I, th- I thought that was, uh, I th- right now it's my number one, number one movie of the year. It's a um, fascinating movie uh, that seems to really... I just take the the temperature of the times in a strange way. It's it's uh, it's it. I was gonna say it stars uh, Natalie Portman, but she's actually not in about forty percent of the movie. It's about a, a, a high school girl who was in a school shooting, and she writes a song about it. She's almost killed. She survives. She writes a song about it. Becomes a pop star, and it's about her career. And um, people would talk calling it uh, when when it was d- making its world premiere as the anti-star is born because it's such a in in many ways a very ugly movie and it's a movie that is very critical of of modern culture it's it it is it's um it almost you just need to see it uh but it's it's a it's a very sophisticated piece Mm -hmm. and uh i'm looking forward to seeing it again i usually don't see these things again but i want to see it again before i write about it because i just want to Get get a little bit more clear in my thinking than I, I obviously am now. So those are three that I've seen. Do you have any that you've seen that you like? Or did well, you I, I love those? Green Book. I told Green you Book, that. Yeah. And but I do do want to point out December fourteenth is just. I mean, you can just not go wrong with it. In addition to the movies we mentioned, you also have um, Ben is back. That's Peter Hedges and uh, directing Julia Roberts and his son Lucas Hedges. Right. Uh, Mary Queen of Scots with Sharish. What's it? Sharish. Sharish. Ronan and uh, Margot Robbie. Um, in, oh, that'll be interesting. It should be a very interesting movie. Already getting a big thing. Mortal Engines, which is kind of this uh, sci-fi kind of you know fantasy thing, you know mixed favorite genre. <laughs> <laughs> Mule, directed by some young man named Clint Eastwood. What is that about? Uh, I'm not sure what it's about, but I just it's just been put on the schedule. Second act, which. Um, I was going to dismiss, but people are now telling me that Jennifer Lopez gives a, a really good performance in that. Really? And then even the kids have a goodie with Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, so, which is Boy. an animation who's, version who's from do, Mar- that? Marvel. Is that, is that my... Oh, Peter's doing it. Peter's doing it. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> and 
and and really another week in the holiday. Holiday season is kind of really really wild. We end up in the, in the in the week leading up to Christmas with Mary Poppins returns. Yeah. Um, and you know, without giving anything away, everyone knows that Dick Van Dyke just does make a cameo in there. Uh, oh, that's Aquaman. it. You just you just solidified the box office on that one. The Aquaman, They're on their way. Aquaman, another Peter Hartlove special coming up. Oh, great. Um, Holmes and Watson, which um, oh. not to be confused with the Guy Ritchie version, <coughs> stars Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. <laughs> oh, that might. Well, that actually is good. Do you know who directed it? <coughs> Offhand, no. Oh, um, huh. And again, oh, I have second act opening both weeks. We have to check Vice, which we talked about, and some another fantasy. Welcome to um, Marwin, starring Steve Carell. By the way, if you hear us coughing, uh, as they say, we should leave it in because it it's actually like a, a uh, it's like a podcast verite version of the California fires that are going on. We fortunately don't have any fires here in San Francisco. But the air is thick with it, and it's really quite something. Um, yeah. yeah, just everybody's just going around clearing, you know, coughing and clearing their throat. And I went for a walk today for about an hour, and after about 45 minutes, I started like just like, having trouble catching my breath, and it's really, it's really something. But anyway, so I that's what's going on, folks. I have five minutes of walking every day. So. You, you gen- yeah. <laughs> No, no, anyway. it is, it's actually it's incredibly tragic. There's been fatalities, loss of property and home, um, both northern and southern California. For those of you listening outside of the state, well, yeah. um, it's incredibly tragic. Of course, of course, no, I didn't mean to make it like we have it worse than anybody. That's for sure. Um, other things on this list too. I'm looking forward to Dumplin' with uh, Jennifer Aniston, who is one of the great uh, comedians of our time that nobody appreciates but me. <laughs> And, uh, and uh, what else? Um, well, if it's not on the schedule now for us, but if Beale Street could talk, um, yeah, it's going to be opening in New York and L.A., I believe, on December 14th, but um, the Bay Area date still is not set. That's uh, Barry Jenkins, Barry Jenkins. Uh, who won the Academy Award for Moonlight after yeah. he was sitting in the seats listening to the La La Land speech. Uh, do, you, do you realize that, that he was lucky? That was like the best thing that ever happened to somebody. Yeah. That was like a great thing. That's. Uh, do you realize that, that every time for the rest of his life, mm-hmm. he's going to expect that to happen? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like something bad happens and then he's just going to like wait around for about two minutes mm-hmm. and expect <laughs> expect that, that something good is going to happen mm-hmm. because of that. Because that was, that is just the odds of that. Of losing and then winning. Well, I think, so I, think, I think what was amazing is people were saying that was like horrible for him. It's actually just the opposite. Now everybody knew what Moonlight was. Everybody knows who Barry Jenkins is. No, At that point, he won for screenplay. And are we going back in time here? Who won director? Was it uh, The director Chazelle? was, was just Damien Chazelle, yeah, for uh-huh. La La Land. So. This is happening a lot. This is something right. that never happened and now is happening a lot. It's I, kind I, of like the equivalent of winning the popular vote but losing the election it's something that happens in waves and and but usually doesn't happen at all but then it but once it starts happening it keeps happening well, happened in 1888 happened in 1876 you know it's the kind of thing that uh, happens were you there you remember that time yeah i remember that yeah tilden was really really <laughs> upset cuz they wouldn't count the votes in florida <laughs> for whatever florida it was state. Actually, you know, I think Florida was one of the states in contention. Florida, but anyway, that's not important. Well, the question. Well, last year I believe at best director and best it was the best director in the best movie. I can't. What one? Anybody here remember offhand? Let's see. We remember Moonlight, but we can't remember the year after. See, there you go. Uh, what is it about this time of year, uh, Lee? But why 
do you get good movies at this time of year? Why do the best movies come out at this time Be- of year and not other times of year? Because this is the peak time for award recognition. Yes. And so as a result, they have found out that, although that there are exceptions here and there, as you always know, that they figured they, they have this theory that if they show it now, it's going to be fresh in everyone's mind as the vote comes in. And another thing that's happening right now is Netflix and Amazon are not bringing this directly to the television screen. They also are trying to get Oscar recognition. Yes. So they're going to actually put a lot of their movies into the theaters for one week. Yeah. And this is what Dumplin's one of these. I I actually disagree with this concept because I think there are TV shows that should go to the Emmys and not take away. I go back to the when O.J. Simpson documentary won. That was for ESPN, which I think showed in exactly two theaters in the country, one in New York and one in L.A., and then won the yeah. best documentary. Well, yeah, I think I think what really I think though these are movies, and I think that what they are they're just they're like streaming platforms, and so they really are movies, and so they're made actually mm-hmm. with theaters in mind, but it's just maybe a, a new way of putting movies into theaters. To talk about the way you know, the way things mm-hmm. have changed over the years, I think that the reason why there's such a bunching up of the best movies in the fall season. Uh, I mean, partly it may be like who actually goes to the movies, mm-hmm. too, because is it kind of an adult time to go to the movies? But uh, partly it's also because of the way movies are released and have been released, you know, for the last 25 years or so. Because it used to be that movies rolled out, you know, like a 600 theater release would be huge uh, back mm-hmm. in 1975, let's say. That would that would be enormous. And... Uh, and even and before that, you would get movie. You know, a movie would play exclusively. You know, a movie might open in May, play exclusively at Radio City in New York, and then roll out. So that by the time, so that that a movie would be a kind of um, a six month event, or you know, especially a big movie. So that even though you you could look and you say, oh yeah, this movie opened in May, if you look in the history books, the movie actually may have like really opened big in November. So, but and then, but also the tradition of of saving your best for the holidays, it actually goes way back. Um, I was looking the first uh, MGM movie to ever be released, or at least to be made. But I think it's to be released. Is a movie called He Who Gets Slapped from 1924, a Lon Chaney movie. And uh, anyway, that movie that's from 1924. And is he and, Lon Chaney? Is he the father or grandfather of Dick Chaney? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, uh, no, because it's spelled differently. I know. Yeah, he could yeah. have changed the spelling. Yeah, <laughs> no, he's the he's the uh, father of, of he's the father of Creighton Cheney, who uh, for stage purposes started calling himself Lon Cheney Jr., <laughs> which is kind of funny. But anyway, they held on to that movie for three or four months because they wanted to make a big splash with it, mm-hmm. and they opened it on Christmas or the day before Christmas. So this has been going on for a while. There's something about I don't know this time of year. I associate this time of year. I do associate this time of year with prestige movies, very often good movies, not necessarily good movies, but uh, but movies that are trying to be good at least. Because a lot of times in the summer you get movies that aren't really trying to be good. They're trying to be commercial. You know, they're trying to hit a demographic. But a lot of the movies that you get this time of year, they are really genuinely trying to be good. And the movies that we start getting around now, or I would say more properly from around the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, through the end of the year, and in the case of uh, of a the play uh, in San Francisco, because we're not L.A. or New York, sometimes 
seeping into the middle of uh, January are the, the not only the best movies of the year, but like the, the creme de la creme movies. So, and then one more thing is that, um, and I think we'll probably get around to talking to the, talking about this in a special mm-hmm. podcast, so I won't go into too much detail. But I would say that this has been and probably will continue to be a, a very good year for movies. And I think mm-hmm. that it's a very good year for movies, and I'll just say just this plainly, and we can talk in more detail later, because it's not been a particularly good year in American history. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, if you look throughout uh Throughout the you know the hundred year history of movies, aside from the late twenties, which actually then turned into a depression, uh, most of the really terrific periods for movies coincide with not so good periods in mm-hmm. American history. So anyway, so There's, I want to bring up one other, two other things, sort of before we go in, because you'll like the second part. First of all, I remember going to movies. There maybe was one or two movies opening anywhere in the country at the same time. So, I mean, if the movie was bad, you didn't go. And then even your local theaters would only show one movie. With, the, with all the multiplexes, it's just, it's just been overkill, overkill. Um, so I remember we'd go Thanksgiving. And where did we go? Radio City Music Hall, oh, of course. Oh, all the did time. You live in, where'd you, did you live in Bayonne, New Jersey, yeah. yeah. We'd, we'd drive over, and then we'd wow. maybe go there or go to Grandma's for dinner. And, you know, we'd go to the parade, go to the movie, have dinner. The other thing yeah. is 25 years ago on December 15th, what opens? Oh, uh, Schindler's, List. Schindler's List. And yeah. uh, look out for a um, uh, story on that by Mr. LaSalle, who might want to put a little plug in for the movie. Yeah, yeah, that's a great movie. Wow, is that great. I just watched it again, and it I was very struck by the contrast between when it was made in 1993 and now, because I you know remember 1993 very you know, vividly, and there was a feeling in the air that basically everything was going to be good from now on. Every, the, the world is wonderful. Com- communism is gone. Berlin Wall is gone. And basically all political disagreements were going to be, you know, kind of mild uh, because everything was great. So you can argue this, you can argue that, you know, what difference does it make? And the idea also that that that, that anti-Semitism, fascism, that kind of just, it just seemed like something from an absolute other planet it seemed impossible it seemed of course you knew it happened and it was horrible but it seemed like like so so just foreign to to any kind of consideration uh today is is somewhat different and uh, the movie is no less effective for it in some ways it, it's more effective although it can't be more effective because th- nothing could be more effective than that movie in 1993 or now it is uh, like as, as I say in the piece, and and then I won't scoop myself beyond that. I'll just say that uh, it's one of the few movies that if you rave about it to your friends and say this movie is great, wow, this is great, this is great, 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 if they see the movie, it won't wreck it for them to go in thinking it's great because it's so, it's great beyond anybody's ability to describe how great it is. So you see it and you just say, oh my god, this is wow, this is this is great. Mm-hmm. It's such a, a an amazing piece of work just a really towering work of art and it is more than held up for 25 years it's in its and it's mm. and it's completely worthy of the grandeur of the subject but you know something it occurs to me we're getting off we're getting off the subject mm. i think we should probably stop here um and uh, wish everybody a very uh, happy thanksgiving 
And in case you didn't get back to us, and a very happy holiday season with Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, and Christmas. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll hopefully, I'm sure I forgot one. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll be talking to people before then. But in any case, uh, just for Lieber Hertz and the San Francisco Chronicle, I'm Mick LaSalle. You are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you to Mick LaSalle and Leba Hertz. Our producer today is me, Peter Hartlob. Executive producer is Fernando Diaz, and our editor-in-chief is Audrey Cooper. Our music is Mozart's Symphony 40 in G minor by Blue Dot Sessions. Read our columns and subscribe to the Chronicle at www.sfchronicle.com. San Francisco Chronicle podcasts are on Apple Podcasts and other streaming services. Listen at www.sfchronicle.com slash podcasts with an S.